0: Listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode three hundred forty-six. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we discuss season two, episode seven of the YouTube science fiction series Impulse. And I wish we'd had calculated the day, like you know, day twenty-three of the coronavirus. But uh, I guess it's uh, the new normal. We're all getting used to it. We don't like it, but we understand it. Right? Yeah. It's um. It's it's crazy.
1: Um, but yeah, you know, you get, you get used to it. You know, we have, it's nice to have all the kids home, but as I, you know, sent out to you and Fred, the, um, the space I used to record it in the basement where we have like a little love seat and the small table that kind of worked out really perfectly. Well, now that my son is home from college and his brother, the minute, his, the minute Sean went to college, uh, my other son, uh, immediately renovated the room so it was a one person room and no longer a two person room so now when Sean comes home uh, we set him up in the basement and he's got his pretty much his setup in there and I you know disturbed it last week by moving the table out but that proved to be just a pain in the butt so uh, my daughter had a desk she doesn't use much so we grabbed that desk and uh, moved my operation a couple meters to the right and here we are in my new recording studio.
0: Okay, well, you know what? I think I completely misunderstood the thread that you uh, and I have with with Fred. So that photo was your setup that the bedroom was taken over? Right, well, the, the, the basement where I recorded. I mean, the basement was... Yes. Right, okay, so that was your photo.
1: Yeah, yeah. His, oh. his He's got sheets up as the the quote-unquote wall that separates his quote-unquote room from the rest of the basement so he put up a bunch of sheets and some of the old i had like a guns and roses uh, banner from when i was in college he put it up and everything um and, and he's got flashing lights in there too that seem to run continuously
0: okay now i understand i was thinking that was fred's setup and he's like no i've still got the same microphone because anyway all right i got that um all right well listen before we get to the tip of the week what we're watching segment uh you know before we went on the air wayne and i were talking about the possibility of of doing a video chat somewhere in the near future since so many of us are sheltering at home so we'll keep you guys posted probably on the facebook group and it'll be one of those deals where uh we'll probably have four people at a time max and you can click the link or whatever we're still working out the details for uh the technical aspect but you know keep an eye on facebook and you know that'll be something in addition to our weekly podcast so just like a little uh, stay at home bonus yeah. i was telling
1: you today we had uh you know I chatted with my sisters and my parents And their family today. So that was a total of, let's see this, 6, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 uh, people in in five boxes on this app called Zoom now, which I'd never heard of. uh, Well, I hadn't heard of until about a week and a half ago. And now, as I told you before, um, I hear about probably four or five times a day, because the kids' teachers are communicating with them, and people are talking to each other with this Zoom. My daughter actually last night had a religious ed class over Zoom. So, um, yeah, if you uh, invested in that app right before the, the coronavirus
0: hit, then you're probably loving it right now. All right. So, All right. Um, my tip of the week, and last week I had a, a rant about People not adhering, and I'll just say I don't know what the hell you people in California are doing, but I see the pictures, and you're acting like it's business as usual. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, aren't they on, now, lockdown? I- I They're mention- on lockdown? Aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yes. It doesn't matter. Really? Yeah, the photos of the beaches and, and the streets. It, it's just anyway. I'll, I'm just going to stop <laughs> there. So I, I want to mention two shows. One is on it's called fx on hulu so if you have hulu you can get it but apparently it's an fx production and it's a show called devs and it is a science fiction show and you know i'm watching it and it follows a character that works for this computing company and it evolves into this murder mystery with the backdrop that this computer computer company is working on this secret project and i'm watching it and i'm thinking the whole time this really feels like ex machina and of course no surprise because it's created written and directed by alex garland who directed ex machina and he you know also uh, wrote the screenplay for dread he wrote the screenplay for 28 days later it's really good it's a week by week thing so they don't drop it all at once i've seen the first three episodes it's really cool and it's definitely worth checking out the other show that my wife and i are watching is a netflix australian show called offspring which is it's really good i mean it it, it's follows this 30 something female obstetrician she's got the quirky family You know, it's a drama, but it's not so heavy. And I know you don't watch This Is Us, and you'll make fun of me every time I (laughs) mention it. But, I mean, This Is Us, it just becomes so oppressive emotionally sometimes that I almost can't bear it because I watch television for entertainment and escape. And, you know, while it's good and I've invested so much time in This Is Us, I'll keep going. But Offspring, it's just really a light show it's got compelling characters. The storylines are cool, but it's it's not for the kiddies. But it's uh, and it's got like six or seven seasons, so you know we're covered for a while. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Anyway, what do you got? Um, well, a, a couple shows that I'm, I'm watching. I'll just these are all uh, HBO joints. Um, but you know, we
0: talked about. I think did we talk about what Westworld yet? Um, I don't think we have and I haven't seen the first episode of season three yet because my wife is Uh-oh. like vacillating well I th- you know we need to go back and watch the end of season ten. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Okay. anyway whatever so I haven't seen it. okay
1: yet. so you know basically um, yeah, they've had two episodes so far um, we know from the ending and again this is going to be a spoiler if you've never seen it at all uh, so you haven't seen it well I, I just don't understand why that is but um, otherwise, you know, they, we know that the hosts got out basically, or some of them got out. Yeah. They're in the real of, world. Of, right. Of the park and, and they're in the real world. And, and the real world is just as crazy as the park, if not crazier, because it is a futuristic society and it's pretty wild. So I'm not going to really say anything more about, it, but it's, you know, cause I mean, that's the, the stuff we know from the end of last season was happening anyway, but it's really just a complete, you know, I I don't like using the word paradigm shift or words, I should say, but it is just a complete kind of, you know, just a complete revolution of, you know, what the show is though. I, it's still dealing with the same kind of the same basic themes. Um, But, uh, you know, it's just, completely turned around and it's so you know it's it's a risk to do that and but i think so far from the first two episodes it looks like it's really uh panning out and you know with a show that's based on us basically asking what the hell is going on almost
0: all the time uh it really does keep you guessing all right you convinced me and I, when i came up to record my wife was asleep on the couch so assuming she's still asleep nice all right <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, and then the other is another uh, Netflix, and that's um, the the plot against America, which has actually the second episodes tonight, I, I believe. And so far, that's it's also pretty good. Uh, episode one just follows uh, a Jewish family neighborhood in um, 1940, I believe, in New Jersey, and it kind of centers on Charles Lindbergh. Oh, uh, who's okay? Yeah, it's uh based on a, a Philip Roth um novel. Um, and you know, Charles Lindbergh is running for president, and probably a lot of people probably do know that he was an isolationist in the 1940s, that he had actually visited uh Nazi Germany and met with Hitler. And um, you know, Hitler gave him like a Maltese cross and all this stuff. and... And Lindbergh came back saying, you know, trying to very much oppose to America going to war against Germany. A lot of people called him a Nazi apologist and everything. I never looked up whether he actually ran for president at any time or not. Um, I don't believe he did, because I, I know this is an alternate reality type uh, series. So, you know, the first episode was really just kind of uh, showing us this family and and you know it's all exposition because it's the very first episode of. I, I think it's maybe just supposed to be a mini series. I don't know if it's supposed to be anything beyond the I think six episodes it's scheduled to be. But uh, so far, the characters are very engaging. We see the the basics of of plot, and we certainly see the. It covers a lot of the you know anti semitism that in America, and uh, you know the, the you know there's actually a scene where like there's basically a nazi group in america sitting outside at a uh a pub drinking and singing songs they have like pictures of hitler up and everything so it's uh so so far so good
0: all right check. cool I, I guess i didn't realize that had already started so um, i'll definitely put that on my list cool all right well let's get to impulse episode seven of season two titled the end of the world written by lara shapiro who has written for a show called berlin station which i don't really know about but it sounds cool especially after uh the other show we've been watching yep. um and the americans which i believe you said you have watched yeah, awesome great show All right directed by alexis ostrander who has directed for supergirl um you know last week we forgot to talk about what grade we gave this episode and you know we Put it on the uh, blog post when we posted the podcast. But I, I like this one a lot more than last time. I'm I'm really A minus B plus. Uh, it's still got you know some you know some some issues, but I thought it was a pretty good episode.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I certainly Henry has become a much more compelling character. I think recently than you know like I, obviously. I'll try to go, (laughs) but, you know, I had issues with the character arc and the way they were taking her. And now she's completely 180 degrees the opposite direction where she's, you know, there for her friends and she's thinking about other people and things like that. So, and she's still an outsider and she still is her own person, but, you know, we see her more manageable and being, I I think more realistic as a person who actually cares about her friends. Whereas before you know, they're really playing her as a completely self-centered person who only, you know, could think about her own issues. So.
0: Okay. And I agree completely. And, and that's why it's so interesting when we see Lucas at the end and we'll, you know, we'll hold off on that for a little while. You know, the first thing I want to touch on is Anna Halche's fall from grace. And, you know, we, we talk about certain storylines, particularly the, the Mennonite storyline with Lucas and, What the heck is going on there? And it's sort of the same with Anna as she continues this quest to find out what happened to Bill Boone. And, you know, she lets Fisher hear the tape and then he immediately erases it, which on the one hand, I like. On the other hand, I was a little surprised, but he says it's not evidence, it's illegal, and suggests she talked to something. And that's the whole thing that comes out of this episode that when she is in the hospital where she's again posing as a police officer trying oh, to find out geez. if there have been any This so bad john does <laughs> and she thinks she sees that kid from the city pulls back the sheet and sees henry lying there it's all over yeah. so at this point do we even really care that much about anna halche's storyline or has it just gone off the rails um, it's definitely gone off the rails. You, you definitely get a feeling that, and I
1: think I said this last week, I can't remember if I did about Anna, but you know, that just that the, the writers kind of just didn't know where to, actually, I think I said about the Bill Boone and the Boone family. Um, and I think that's true still of them as well that, you know, I, I think they just kind of painting themselves into a corner with a couple things. And so they needed to come up with this, you know, some kind of plot twist because they realized, okay, well all right, we had this happen to Anna and now she's not a cop anymore. So what do we do with her now, you know? Because if she was still in play as like especially if she were the police chief and a real police officer and everything, that you know, she would still have a really valid impact on this story, but she's not and she's been completely marginalized and what she's able to do is is like, there's there's nothing, because even as she is following this thread that's leading her nowhere, ultimately, even if she finds the truth, it's not
0: going to, you know, she's not going to, no one will believe her, you know? Right. And, um, and I will say there is one more plot twist with her character, and, and just leave it at that, okay. but yeah, th- this is a storyline that, like we said last time, perhaps they figured they'd address it more in season three, but... You know, whatever. Uh, now, the other thing is, we had some transformations uh, of characters, and, and Jenna comes out to Henry, and that whole sequence between her and Henry, and, and you know, you alluded to it a few minutes ago that that Henry's starting to care about other people, but even before that, we get that really touching scene when Cleo helps Jenna with the dress, but more importantly it, it was that first step as Jenna starts opening up about her insecurities, her confusion and while we know she's not going to tell Cleo that she thinks she likes girls it it, it kind of got the ball rolling and was maybe the impetus that allowed her to open up to Henry later on
1: oh yeah definitely
0: um and you
1: know I actually I don't know if we want to open this up now about her decision to not go to the dance with with Zach, because like, I'm kind of conflicted in two ways, like absolutely telling a kid, you got to do what's good for you.
0: Yes, Um, I know what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's valid advice. But also, I mean, this is the day of the dance. This kid has rented a limo. He's rented a tux. Um, You know, like he's obviously cares about Jenna a lot and to just on the day of the dance to call them up and say no sorry i mean that's that's harsh you know i, I might be like yeah you got to do what you want to do but you know you also have responsibilities to other people too and you make commitments to other people that maybe you should do those first
0: and and then do you you know right and you know you've said many times that the writers need to actually talk to actual teenagers but i think in this case it's really cleo's fault for telling her that which as you said in and of itself doing what's right for you is great advice that said she made that commitment so um and i think as you and i know commitment is one of those things that as teachers and coaches that's one of the the primary things i I think we're trying to get across to our students right is that you know the the level of commitment that it takes to be successful and you know that there are other people besides just you
1: yeah you know and i think because everyone you know, i think she wouldn't have been the only kid ever to have gone to a dance that they didn't necessarily want to go to but they went to because they know how much it means to the other person absolutely know? right and and that's not necessarily a bad thing and it, you know, it doesn't mean she's betraying herself or anything like that. It just, it means that she had, like you said, had agreed to do this thing. It was by all intents and purposes, especially from Zach's point of view, was looking forward to it and then, you know, backed out at the last minute.
0: Right. And I, I guess what I find interesting is what causes Henry's transformation because she comes home, she sees Jenna on the couch and immediately like, well, why are you here? I th- thought you're supposed to go to the dance and the next thing you know henry says i'll go with you i'll go as your date and of course we know that despite jenna thinking she likes girls uh, that's you know she doesn't like henry in that way and then we get that scene where thomas insists on photos we get our first family photo jenna's excited and it's henry's first truly selfless act and you know i wonder go i wonder if it goes back to her just really realizing what she's done to towns and the negative impact and then of course they go to the dance and the ticket taking scene was priceless you know yes i know who you are but i still need to see your id yeah. yeah towns is classic he and, and
1: also i mean this episode we really got to see um, a little bit of vindication for his character, because again, they were kind of going down a certain path with him where he was just freaking out about everything, and you know they really kind of made him one dimensional and and we forgot you know about towns as the actual person, and we you know even in our discussion, we were just talking about
0: like towns you know the disability suffering young person you know. Right now, does it get any better than Jenna forcing Henry onto the dance floor, and then watching Henry actually enjoy herself? I, I that was the highlight of the episode for me. I mean, outside yeah. of her the the final sequence with uh, Lucas. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I would
1: say if if we took a poll of America, well, actually, if we took a poll of like you know people who watch genre shows and said, how many of you are not dancers you know how many people are like henry get if they get pulled into a dance floor or just feel awkward out there and i'm sure probably i know i would raise my hand as well as uh, lots of other people i think so that's like a really a moment that uh you know you really feel what henry's feeling there
0: right and you know we get the confrontation with drunk zach and you know we've got a lot of negative things to say about patty and generally they're all deserved but here she steps in rescues jenna which then leads henry to note you know sometimes she sucks less yeah (laughs) but that's the opening for jenna to confide in henry that she likes girls and henry's reaction you just got so much cooler yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, which I mean, you, you knew that ultimately would be her reaction. Sure. Though, again, if we go back to that, you know, the, the bad point in Henry's character, she probably never would have heard that because she would have been so, you know, confrontational with Jenna. She would, you know, Jenna would have never felt comfortable confiding in her at all.
0: Yeah, and their relationship is just so fascinating. And then Henry hugs her. So yeah.
1: I was actually kind of scared that she was going to say that she was in love with Henry because I'm like, mm, don't, please don't go there because that would just, you know, that, that would just kind of, you know, just mess up the whole relationship between those two, you know, and bring in an yeah. unnecessary factor.
0: Right. And and I guess I never really was afraid that that was going to happen. Maybe based on the the scene at the uh, college and, and the right. type of girl that, I think she might be sure attracted to, but actually,
1: you know what? Exactly, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's the the I know that why I thought was because by this point, it's so obvious to us that she feels you know, that she likes girls. Like we're like okay, we, it's not a shocker to us, but we forget that Henry has no clue about this. At all, so it is a shocker to her. So I guess that's why I thought, you know, with the, you know, the kind of this intensity of Jenna kind of marshaling her courage, you know, because i yeah, you know, we already know she's that she she feels like that that uh, we don't think it's a big deal. We forget that well, she hasn't told anyone yet, so this is a
0: huge deal for her. So anyway, yeah, and it's not as if we haven't seen writers take the easy way out before. So right you know now we mentioned towns and we we get that conversation with zoe where he says i need to focus on aspects of my life that don't involve fantasy and again what's so fascinating there is that we know he's talking about his online life yet when we look at his real life it's his relationship with this girl that can teleport and all the accompanying stuff that goes with it that ordinarily people would say, that was his fantasy life. No, dude, your online RPG stuff, yeah. that's real. <laughs> Not, right. You know, killing orcs, that's
1: real. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think just the Zoe herself, because certainly, I mean, he, he I don't know if he ever really questioned it before, but I mean, Jenna certainly drove it home for him. I believe last episode, where you know she—I think it was Jenna—who basically confronted him, saying that Zoe's she's fictional, right? She, you have no proof that she's a real person. Of course, her not showing up when Towns won the award would only go further to you know to someone looking at this from the outside to saying, "Well, she's you know she doesn't exist. She's she's a made-up person," and or you know like some 40-year-old woman or something like that, you know? So, and and Towns is, because his world has kind of been turned upside down by, what was the name of the the guy he met with? Oh, Sam? Sam, yeah. Um, you know, it kind of rocked his world, and, and now he's looking and questioning everything. Well, of course, he's going to look much more critically at Zoe until she, you know, actually does show up.
0: Yeah, and, you know... I think Henry is starting to get a sense of how devastated this all has been to Towns. Even though she doesn't know the specific particulars, she goes out to apologize to him. And it's almost like the first time she seems genuinely upset that she hurt somebody else. And whereas we've heard Towns many times refer to himself as her sidekick and any failings he might have had. And she tells him that she's been a terrible superhero. And, you know, maybe we can just be friends, not superhero and sidekick. And that, that emotional scene where you just see the tears streaming downtown's cheek. And we hope the fences have been mended, but we're not sure. And again, if that was what we were left with, in the town story arc for this episode, that would have been enough. But no, we finally get to meet Zoe. How awesome mm-hmm. was she? Yeah, that was great. And, and yeah, and really
1: she was great as a character. Um, and we get why she was reluctant to meet towns. Um, you know, both of these people, you know, probably in their head had this idealized version of the other. And so we're reluctant to meet because of their own insecurities you know, once Zoe got past that, she got to see how you know great a guy Towns
0: is. Yeah. Now, even before that, I'm sure you picked up on it because I certainly did when uh, the teacher that's I guess responsible for the dance comes and and relieves Towns, and and you notice what she does, right? signs off his service hours right
1: well yeah yeah, he had to do it he said because he's been
0: tardy too much oh is that what it was i I forgot about that that's right i was thinking it was like nhs or something like that. yeah
1: no but that is definitely something i'm uh, used to doing but uh, but yeah he he had said before that he had to do it because of, of being tardy too
0: much okay now obviously the first thing we notice after recognizing that well a she's A teenage girl after all b she's cute c oh she's got a bionic arm Mm -hmm. and though towns doesn't say the words we know this is what he's thinking you just got so much cooler yeah (laughs) exactly if he's seen you know altered carbon then you know it'd be even even better exactly now appropriately enough they talk in the computer lab which i'm thinking just because she's cute and a teenage girl with a bionic arm, does that mean we no longer suspect her of somehow being involved with you know this dark shadow organization that's out there? I mean, before I'll admit, I was completely dubious, and even that
1: question, even though she showed up, I still had that question in, in my mind and, and thought exactly what you're thinking. But uh, looking at it, I don't think so. I think they kind of tied off the Zoe doubting whether she's an actual person or whether she's involved with it. Now that being said, it it could still happen, but I tend to think that 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 no, that you know, Zoe's a real girl,
0: they showed us that and so they're going to you know maybe move on from that. Okay. And then after we had seen Jenna and Henry on the dance floor, we get that nice little scene where the two of them dance in their swivel chairs which i thought was pretty funny but i i guess more to the point how will this change the group dynamic even though he's resigned as henry's sidekick i, I think we know yeah he's gonna be back sure so is he gonna try to bring zoe into the group and how's henry gonna react to that how's jenna gonna react to that for you know yeah. because because she jenna be- she's the calmer head very often right sure
1: yeah, Zoe could be the the Yoko Ono for this little group here, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, Nikolai, his arc in this episode is just really monumental on a couple levels. I mean, uh, in my notes, I, I question whether his final acts here are that of a savior or that of someone evil, because he really, you know, plays a role in – both henry's life and elaine's life the opening scene of the episode we get that great flashback when his sister's playing piano in a concert hall and and of course she's the adult actress that we you know have seen before she's auditioning for judges i don't know some sort of piano competition perhaps admittance to a music school yeah
1: i I, I got a feeling that this was like yeah admittance to a school that would be a you know, major shift in her life, right? Because she has right. to make that choice of what I want to do with my life, basically, in this, you know, brief moment.
0: Right. And, and the scene that only, you know, it, it encompasses about three or four minutes of the episode, we get so much because we we see her up on the stage. She finishes her piece. And I guess she notices her father, who was sitting with Nikolai in the audience, get up to take a phone call and the next thing you know she walks out of the audition we know that he's just gotten word that a traveler's been detected in Mexico City and wants Nikolai to go there to investigate and basically she's pleading with her father to bring me into the family business well yeah at first she
1: wants him to come in and watch her perform um and you know he refuses to do that. So then, yeah, she completely changes tack. And you know, I mean, I guess that's the, the question is. I, well, I mean, I, I get that she basically is super desperate to have her father's approval, right. and you know, obviously, it also bothers her that Nikolai seems to get that approval so easily, um, where she never gets it, and so. I, you know, she finally kind of, I guess, assesses the whole situation. It's just like, well, you know, I'd rather go and, you know, be in the family business than, than follow this other path, which is, you know, probably been really her dream and something she's worked on.
0: Yeah. And you wonder whether we're going to see more of her relationship with Nikolai throughout the rest of season two. Is it something they plan to explore in season three? Because as you said, she's just desperate for her father's attention and recognition and we know that her mother died giving birth to her so that her father apparently blames her for that he sees Nikolai as somebody that did his best to save his son and when he couldn't it he just kind of stepped into his place and and dad has accepted him as a son so yeah it's got to really be difficult for Elaine so to see her more or less in charge of Nikolai is interesting and we learn that the plan is to have Henry give a demonstration the next day and that I guess her dad who we, we see later is you know in a hospital bed set up in his mansion and he's going to watch on video and you almost wonder because we know what happens next he momentarily cautions her about moving too fast but then you know what about this final act to save his sister i mean is that a fair way to look at you know him going in and killing their father yeah i i, I
1: have just question this about that because i mean we get why he's doing this i mean this is a guy who's his whole life has ignored his daughter and and because of this actually had made that daughter desire like acceptance from him even more, which led her down this path to where she's become. You know, Nikolai has this idea if he, if he kills old Kido now that somehow that will free up Elaine to once again, follow her dreams, I guess when, I mean, obviously that boat sailed long ago. You know, I I just, I don't know why, you know, Nikolai thinks that, you know, that by killing him now is any way gonna change Elaine and her in her path. Which right. it doesn't
0: seem like it really did because she does not react well. No, because I, I wonder does he think by killing the father that she'll be freed from needing his recognition and say okay you know what i don't need to do this teleportation gig anymore i can go back to playing the piano thus saving henry as well right i mean he he, i can't possibly think she's going to give up that easily that she's come this far yeah exactly that's what i'm saying yeah right and then he tells elaine not only is henry not coming demonstration's not going to place it's over we're done so where you know this is certainly left in a in a pretty tenuous spot because we know she holds the key to his survival because she's the one doling out factor but he also kind of lets her know you know if this is the end of my life so be it right i'm not gonna come begging to you anymore
1: yeah true or you know he can maybe take a plane back to romania instead of jumping there and then you know, maybe live out his life without factor, but uh but yeah, you know absolutely he's accepting that you know he's making the sacrifice and he's sacrificing himself, basically, and he's cool with that,
0: yeah yep now henry's new world and, and in large part it's this new attitude that you know we've been talking a little bit about, but she's spray painting in her room, and you know I looked at that scene a couple of times and stopped the image on my tv was she spray painting the field that she has teleported to or found herself in her dreams i wasn't quite clear on that i I thought she was
1: just going over because she had spray painted the walls before and had you know a bunch of different tags up on the walls it looked like she just had like a regular gray okay spray paint that she was just covering up you know what she had done before which again i mean i felt that way she would know one room for the other you know she's going to know which is
0: actually her room and, and which is the fake one maybe okay okay and then that makes more sense uh, oh exactly well that makes way more sense than what i was thinking uh, and then jenna comes home and, and i guess henry overheard her with with zach and I guess she smells the paint fumes, suggests Henry sleep in her room. I'm not sleeping in your sex bed. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> you know, good. Was just, yeah, there, there were some great lines in, yeah. in this episode. Uh, you know, we mentioned Towns resigning as her sidekick. I, I love how they present it because we wake up to the family breakfast Thomas is making heart cakes in honor of the big dance and God Maybe love, he calls them
1: love cakes
0: he, love cakes and uh not surprisingly Henry claims to have no interest in attending although we you know know that changes but again another emotional scene as he resigns and he tells her I'm sorry I couldn't do more I don't know exactly why he says it because we know he's smart. Is he just so frightened by the experience with Sam that it's just too much emotionally and intellectually for him to handle? I I guess.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's part of it, but also he had kind of built up this vision of himself as the sidekick and you know kind of this romanticized version of himself and when basically sam just you know pisses all over that picture to show him how out of his depth he is you know towns feels powerless right before he felt powerful you know he was like a he's like a superhero sidekick he was like a character in a comic book and he he felt empowered by that and when he sees how actually not powerful he is he
0: just you know bails yeah, well, that's true. And then I love the reference where he tells her you need to figure out whether Nikolai is a Lando or a Yoda, a real mentor or a fake ally, which, of course, is an allusion to Campbell's Hero's Journey monomyth and the uh, ally and the mentor. As, as well as the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we see Henry teleport to Romania. I guess it's just an attempt on her part to learn more about Nikolai. She goes to the cafe. We get you know that familiar building that uh, you know Fred had posted on the Facebook group a, a few weeks back, and <laughs> we see her with the soup. She makes a valiant effort, but decides against right, which it, which definitely calls to mind the the
1: face Nikolai made when. The pizzas put in front of him
0: Yeah. Oh, good. Po- oh, you know, good point because we talked about at the time yeah. whether it has anything to do with taste buds. Now, granted, she's not taking factor, so we don't know if that's part of it or not. I guess at at this point, it's not that important to the overall narrative. But she snaps a photo of the soup and sends it to Nikolai on his phone to get his attention. He immediately response attention I, gotten yeah and i love her response to his response well aren't you even a little impressed that you know yeah. i came to romania i and- i was impressed
1: because i mean that demonstrates this increasing control that she really even last episode she had to kind of like trick herself into going places that she wanted to go and this one she purposefully said i want to go to romania and boom
0: Yeah, and talks to the waitress that she had met with Nikolai the previous time. She brings out the framed photo of his family and recounts that they're all dead, says yes, mentions the church, which doesn't really mean anything to Henry other than she's been in the church with Nikolai, but she she certainly doesn't know the backstory the way we do of of the bombing. Sure, Um, Arguably the most important and mind-bending part of this episode is Lucas <laughs> and the first thing we see is Esther in his room smelling his pillow we're like, what the yeah. hell?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we always said that there was this kind of, you know, a little bit icky kind of connection with Esther. You know, and you know, I don't know, that's probably really just me uh reading it with my own disturbed mind. But, you know, I mean I think what they're obviously trying to get at is that she lost a son, which was traumatic for her. Uh, she replaced that son with Lucas and then lost him
0: as well. Right. I mean, just as Keto replaced his dead son with uh, Nikolai. Sure. So, I, yeah, so I, I guess I felt a little less icky about this. But yeah, still, I did it's I, But like, you have to admit, there's been
1: some times when oh yeah, she came no in question. to talk to him in, right. in his bedroom and we were like...
0: Oh, what's going to happen here, you know? All right. And then we get to the scene where Lucas is in the bar drinking and makes eye contact with that woman. Next thing you know, they're in the storeroom, bathroom, whatever it is. And he hesitates, but eventually goes through yeah. with having sex with her. And again, he's come from, you know, this Mennonite world in, in which sex before marriage is, Pretty much forbidden and and whether this was just his way of, of coping with the weirdness in his world you know maybe but then he sees clay's interview on television and and that uh, i guess sparks him to go meet clay i, I did he know clay was going to be in the parking garage did he call clay <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I mean we don't really yeah, know that's i guess it's kind of a weird to place
1: matter. to meet i didn't think about that but yeah that's true yeah well right. it's funny because we I, i've forgotten how much lucas didn't know because basically after the gunfight he ran off and ended up in the Mennonite community so anything after that he had no clue about he didn't know his house burned down he didn't know his dad was missing and this that's it was just crazy to to realize like
0: how out of the loop he's been you know for pretty much all the season right and then to watch clay try to convince him that henry has what he believes are at the very least telekinetic powers but then he also relates to teleportation incident and lucas's reaction dude she saved you yeah yeah and And, of course clay doesn't quite see it that way (laughs) no he, he doesn't like that interpretation in fact he says dad's dead henry's involved you gotta stop her that ain't exactly what happens and we get that just oh just awesome final scene henry leaves the dance to spark one up outside and and you know we see that shadowy figure and we've talked many times about henry walking alone on the road at night riding her bike and okay yes resting you know (laughs) like this this place
1: is not necessarily a hotbed of crime right but well lucas, i guess kind
0: of it was but you know like, well you know lucas comes out of the shadows and we feel a little bit better that it's him because we're pretty sure he's not going to physically yeah, harm her we don't know because
1: the last time we saw was clay saying you know you gotta promise to stop her and of course we figure it's probably not because we don't see his reaction we don't see whether he says okay you know if he had said okay i promise then we know the kind of guy Lucas is. He's probably going to carry out on his word, but we don't see what he says. So we're pretty sure that he never made that promise. But still, as he's approaching her, we're not sure like what his deal is. Did he make that promise?
0: Is he there with harmful intentions or not? Well, he does leave having said, she saved your life in that fire. Right. So is he going to physically harm the young woman that saves his brother's life. So I I guess I felt a little more at ease because of that. And then the next thing you know, he says, well, if you killed my dad, he probably deserved it. And we already know he feels manipulated by his father. And while he's a grown man, he he killed uh, Esther's son on his own. I mean, certainly his father did manipulate him he says clay deserved what he got as well and next thing you know he's getting down on his knees and we're thinking like what's going on just as henry and you know we're starting to think i guess because of the association with the mennonites some sort of biblical retribution well if you just look at just as a
1: i'm using the word staging but you know from a standpoint of of like physical body positions, when he's standing there, he's standing up. He's bigger than her. He's definitely threatening and a threat. But then when he goes to his knees, all of a sudden he is supplicating himself, and he is right. no longer the threat. And she has the advantage slash power over him. So it's a really good move physically. You know, if he had stayed standing to say that. You would still have that element of threat about him, but he kneels down, and now he's not threatening her. He's, you know,
0: imploring. Yeah, and he says, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to serve you. Yeah, that's weird. And when he says you're an angel, Henry, on a mission from God, and it's my job to protect you, you know, do we believe him? I mean, you know, now we're into this spirituality divine intervention theological I uh, does he really believe that that's what this is all about yeah and i, I think so it's too crazy I do too. not to be credible you know right and when you think about some of the stories and that are in the bible and uh, you know again biblical scholars have i, th- I think i in a lot of respects said that they're not meant to be taken literally all of them. And, and, you know, so what does he think this is? Because he knows what she did in the trunk of his car. He's now understanding that she did hurt clay and the, you know, and, and it was responsible for the damage to the truck. He, she teleported, right. So all of these things, and, and this is how he interprets it. I'll be there whenever you need me and then he walks away and we see the tears streaming down her cheeks now. So right. What is it that's freaking her out at this point? Well, I mean, what, what, what is freak not out. freaking her out
1: is the question. I get you yeah, yeah. Fred asked that question of of what and I just think it's just so like she sees Lucas approaching and obviously her fear factor is up. Um there, there's so many times I just thought this whole dance thing was set up for henry to just disappear in front of everyone and freak everyone out and like her quote-unquote secret to be out you know obviously she sees lucas and her first reaction is is fear or you know the fight and flight kind of reaction and then when even at the beginning of his like i said when he seems so threatening at first and then it just completely turns around and he's getting down on his knees and telling her she's an angel I mean, she's got got to be like WTF, you know?
0: Right. Like Fred asks, is she afraid? I don't think physically she's afraid. I think it's now another thing to consider because heretofore, she's really looked at her powers from a scientific standpoint. I mean, she's had towns researching different things and, you know, she knows about the study and the experiments with with, – Dom, and now Lucas is throwing another possibility into her world, and it's just too much to handle for this 16 year old girl. That, yeah, uh, who am I? We've talked about that before. What am I? You yeah, know, right. I, does she think this is a possibility? I mean, no,
1: yeah. I don't think so because I mean, look, it's, it's just Looney Tunes that whole thing about an angel coming from God, and certainly Henry does not strike us. I mean, we get why Lucas says it, because he's just spent all this time with the Mennonites. Obviously, some of that religious stuff rubbed off on him, but for Henry, I don't think that would really strike a chord with her. I think she's just moving from one extreme emotion of being super scared and having her hackles up when he approaches to then the complete opposite of anything she expected him to say happening um i think just the that 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 severe swing from one emotion to the next is just has her very confused and okay. and um just doesn't it seems to me like like i'm thinking if i were her i just wouldn't even know what to think at this point
0: well it's been a pretty wild ride this day i mean you know starting with the dance and uh, you know the confrontation with towns actually the two confrontations when he shows up at breakfast and resigns and then you know when she talks to him at the dance and apologizes jenna opening up to her you know just so these interpersonal relationships that before this she's kind of been closed off to a certain extent and letting people know how she really feels and i mean maybe you're right maybe she looks at lucas and thinks dude you're effing nuts but it's a lot to take in and and while jenna and towns being on team henry and and supporting her and having her back lucas is possibly the last person she ever thought would be in her corner. Yeah, right. And now he's in her corner but arguably for a completely different reason.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, I guess there's there's got to be some relief there that that he is in her corner and that's like one less person that's you know out to get me. Um, yeah. But still like it's just I Macbeth, I think they say such such fair and foul things it's once it's hard to reconcile. Um, I think that's – I probably got that wrong, but it's something like that. Yeah, that she's getting all this conflicting information at one time,
0: and she just doesn't know what to think. Right, right. So, you know, we get to the end. Where are we? I mean, Nikolai has challenged his sister's authority. Uh, So I guess we have to consider whether or not she's going to let that slide. She doesn't have anything to show, uh, you know, the investors unless – and, and Henry is clearly on Elaine's radar, we just don't know how much imminent danger Henry really is in from Elaine. I mean, does Elaine have her locked in, you know, GPS light, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing? Can she send her two cleaners out to go retrieve Henry, or is she depending on Nikolai? I mean, she knows she's in Reston, so. Right. But Yeah, well,
1: that's what we said before, because— you know, Nikolai kind of seemed to indicate that, you know, just keep your head down. You can live out your life. here, arrested. And it's like, but how can she do that? Elaine definitely knows that that's where she is. And and as we said, you know, like, it, they showed us that this is an organization that has cubicles and offices. So it's it's definitely bigger than just Nikolai. Though, of course, Nikolai is, I guess, her main... I don't know what you'd call her main kidnap guy, you know. Um, but it seems like they have a lot of resources here that she's probably got other ways that she can get Henry, despite Nikolai's refusal to do so. All right. Anything else you want to bring up? Yeah. Um. I don't. I know. I always say no, and then I think of like three
0: things after it. But
1: um, no, nah, I think we're good.
0: Okay. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be back to
2: talk about it. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands, with some feedback for Impulse, Season 2, Episode 7. First off, I want to come back to, not last week's podcast, but the podcast about Episode 5, so Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, number 344. I'm really having a quite different life, as I think everybody by now. Thing is that I normally listen to your podcast and other podcasts during cycling to work. But I'm confined to home, so that means that I have one hour less of podcast listening per day. So I had listened to the podcast about episode 6, but still not about episode 5. World turns... But okay, in that episode you talked about whether Henry and Nikolai went with that car to the same field as where the merry-go-round was, and it really was the same field, because you could see in the foreground there was a piece of dead wood and some, well, daisies, whatever, I don't know which kind of flower it was, was standing there, and you saw that as well is in the merry-go-round scene as when they landed with the car there on that field yeah there are crazy times being confined at home work at home but not less work for me a lot of whatsapps a lot of telephone calls a lot of zoom meetings skype meetings windows teams meetings and that all from your lazy chair I'm really busy all day and first we had to decide to shut down the education in my university or my faculty and now we are of course busy looking what we can start up digitally and what are the rules and the regulations about that and etc. I really wonder what you do with your students Wayne. And at home it's also difficult because well having teenagers in the house is not easy in this period of time they do things you should not do and then i get a little angry because i'm not confined to home for no reason and they still meet friends etc in our own house we have limited that it's really a dilemma and a dilemma is always choosing between two beds because well we allow that they have one or two friends over but that's the maximum On the other hand, I would prefer that they wouldn't have anybody over, but then they are going to flip, and what is then the situation in your house? So what is worth more? And especially for my oldest son with his autism, you just want to keep it low and not agitate him too much. Otherwise, you get towns-like situations. By the way, I found it marvelous what happened to towns in this episode, As well, the discussion with Henry there at the entrance of the school party, school dance, as well as what he discussed and did with Zoe. Really, really marvelous. And you really saw him coming at ease. Okay, about episode 7. I call this episode the episode of truth, honesty and love. So many topics here. A lot of exposition here. So many... Good things, actually I thought after watching this episode, well, everything is well, everybody is okay with each other. Well, not completely, but, well, a lot. Let's do an inventory. Towns is telling Henry that he can't be her sidekick anymore. Very honest and very clear. And then Henry is telling Towns she wants to be friends, instead of being her sidekick, and she apologizes to him. So, very truthfully, honestly, and with love and respect for her friend. Next one, Towns telling Zoe that he has to distance from fantasy, and that is why he has to have less contact with her. Very difficult for him, but very honest. And Zoe is very nice to Towns by meeting him and apologizing about last time that she didn't with the science fair, I think, science competition, whatever, that she didn't show up. Just one nitpick in the computer lab where all the computers are. They are during a school party all on. All these computers are on. All these screens are on. What about energy-saving policy in this school? <clears throat> Another one. Chloe is really connecting to Jenna here. Uh, Jenna takes Chloe's advice and is breaking up with Zach. That's also in the sense of being honest, at least to yourself. Very good of Henry that she is going to the dance with Jenna just for her sake. Uh, Jenna says, Henry, you hate dances. And Henry says, yeah, I hate a lot of things, but I don't hate you. So here it really comes that Henry does appreciate Diana a lot. Although she sometimes says things that are not so well thought over, probably. Then Diana telling Patty, you don't have to come up with excuses to hang out with me. And she also says to Patty, I like that your friendship is different from that with Henry and Towns. Another one is Jenna telling Henry she thinks she's lesbian. Very honest, very truthfully, very open. And also to herself, because really saying something like that, apart from just thinking, makes it another step to being real. And Henry telling Jenna that it makes her so much cooler. Another thing that is happening to Anna is she has to go back to her parents because she really can't cope with reality at this moment. Another point of truthful, honest is Nikolai telling his father the truth and after that she also tells Elaine the truth. What the consequences of that will be, I don't know. And is Nikolai having enough of doing bad things and is going to be truthful to himself? And another very unexpected one was Lucas supporting Henry actually condemning his own family. After he left we see a tear on Henry's face and I really wonder if this is a tear of relief not being attacked. Is it relief because somebody tells her that she is worth something or is it that she is just being touched by Lucas not blaming her? for crippling his brother and killing his father. I find, by the way, a big analogy here with what Henry did with Jenna after she told she was lesbian or she thinks she's lesbian. Last questions. What will Elaine do? Will we see her back? What will happen to Nikolai without factor? Another thing I wonder about is whether Henry will discuss with Nikolai that she saw the... Youth photo of him so in Bucharest and last points what i found funny in this episode is that when henry arrives home from a teleport the ceiling lamp is moving but jenna doesn't pay much attention to it as if it is something quite normal and another one paying earn. and another one is petty saying to jenna that henry and towns are not easy to get along with well, wow, is she the most easy person to get along with? Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Uh, Fred addresses what we were talking about last week,
0: whether Henry teleports the truck to that same field that we'd seen in one of her dreams. Uh, and, and of course, we can always depend on Fred sure. to uh, uh, to provide photographic proof that It was, in fact, the field where uh, that fair took place when she was a child with uh, her mom. So that was definitely cool. Um, You know, again, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Corona virus, but I I think it it impacts all our lives. So as we've said before, it's fascinating to hear how others are are coping with things and, and certainly how Fred is in the Netherlands. But. You know, he he asks what you're doing with your students at the moment, and I guess the, the easy answer is nothing, but that's probably going to change shortly, right? Um, yeah, um,
1: because you know, schools were supposed to go back on March 30th, which is a week from today, and it seems very unlikely that that's going to happen. So uh, you know, what we did is when the kids were let out the county, uh, had us pass out a packet to each kid that had, you know, activities that they could do. Um, we are absolutely not supposed to be assigning anything or grading anything. Um, because obviously that is not equitable for students that do not have access to technology. And, um, obviously the, the reality is probably almost every single one of our kids has at least a cell phone, um, that, that they can access, but that's not necessarily true. So, um, so I guess that's the big, you know, as a public high school uh, or public, you know, a school, public school system, I should say um, the, the huge challenge, the monumental challenge is to provide uh, equitable uh, instruction that does not lock out those kids who are already at a, major disadvantage and still right. be able to provide every kid with a free and public education you know so I know I'm I know it sounds like a grandstanding uh, and it's it's a it's a challenge and, and I don't know really what the answer is and I, but there's people who get paid a lot to come up with the uh, the answers to this and you know we saw Virginia and Delaware both today have canceled school for the rest of the year so what happens if that happens you know i right. i don't know i think it's you know is it possible they'll just say all right well you know your twenty nineteen twenty twenty 2020 school year is now at an end um, hope you well, learn some stuff well, by now you know i well, I don't well, know
0: well i hope i don't ruin your evening but uh talking to scott earlier in the day and uh just have one word for you and uh you'll probably hear more tomorrow but that word would be canvas yeah. And uh it sounds as if that may be a possibility for some online but uh anyway we don't sure. want to go too Oh no
1: down. no I'm not saying I, I want the school year to end oh, because I uh I'm just saying that I I mean even with Canvas again the challenge is there's kids who can't access it. Yeah. You know? Right right. And right. they are already the kids that that are at a huge disadvantage. So um I think probably they're trying to work out ways to get technology into the hands of the, the kids that, that don't have it and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I've definitely been thinking about, you know, what, what we can do the rest of the year if we move to a completely online format. So we'll see. All right.
0: Well, moving back into uh, Impulse, yeah. um, you know, he asked about what Elaine's going to do. And will we see her back at all? I, I mean, I think at this point in the narrative, she's critical – to the end of the season uh you know henry's moving forward uh, her survival so i gotta believe we're gonna see her back now what is it she's gonna do is she gonna just as we said sit back and, and let nikolai end her experiment that also seems hard to it believe seems but, extremely unlikely yeah Uh, The other thing that Fred raises is is the uh, photo that the waitress shows her when she travels to Romania and whether or not Henry's going to bring it up. You know, on the one hand, I I think it's probably not a good idea for her to do that because, uh, you know, her relationship with Nikolai is evolving constantly. And while I, I think it's safe to say she feels he's on her side that she's there to protect him. It's not a hundred percent. So she knows how he reacted when she texted him the photo of the cafe mentioning the, the family photo might be a bit much too much of a risk. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But
1: you know, I guess in a way also it for her, because it it does humanize him. You know, Towns says, you know, you got to watch out for that guy. Um, And she learns that, you know, he had a family and that they died. And so, um, you know, certainly that is going to, you know, in in her mind, she is probably saying what what we say, someone who has had something like that happen to him, you know, has seen the, the bad side of life. Does that make him completely bad or does that, Mean he has compassion
0: for others and can understand others' pain. Yeah. Now, Fred also mentions that Lucas supporting Henry and, and you know, at the expense of his own family was, was completely unexpected. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say completely unexpected, because we know he feels his father manipulated him into murdering. Uh, I can't think of his Amos Miller, right? So, knowing that, I I I don't know that it was completely unexpected. Now, the type of support, the getting down on the ground, calling Henry an angel, yeah, that part was (laughs) was completely
1: unexpected. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was definitely unexpected. But but as a narrative shift, I love it. I I I, you know, are are we going to pick that up? Is she going to uh, get? more of a relationship going with lucas i don't know yeah there's a lot going on yeah yeah which yeah. is funny because they've also got these other storylines like the mennonites and, and anna halche which they could just cut them loose and let them drift off into space and we'd be fine but
2: you know
1: yeah it, yeah that's what it is right i mean i think like I said, I mean, probably the thread of what we're talking about here is that I guess that was a possibility. That was one possible way Lucas could be reacting is either to be 100% with her or 100% against her. And we're just not sure which way he's going to go. But for him to get, get down on his knees and tell her she's an angel sent from God, that I did not <laughs> – I could not have seen that coming uh, from a mile – a million miles away, so.
0: Okay. All right. Anything else you want to bring up uh, about Fred's feedback? Um, just the one
1: thing is that he had said, why are all the computers on in the lab? And all I can say is, Fred, in America, and I'm not proud of it, not in the least, but we are not very good at conserving energy. And so, uh, unfortunately, a lab full of computers still on, I'm afraid, is not an unrealistic Thing and, and unfortunately, is probably more realistic than unrealistic. So, And I know you probably, because you before me, had the journalism lab right next to your room. Um, I have to go in there. Every, even though I tell the kids to shut down their computers, I still have to go in and shut down probably half a dozen computers every day.
0: Right. Now, for the general labs that teachers sign up for and bring their class in, it could have been the teacher that was planning to bring his or her class in first period the next day. <laughs> right. Knows that if you have to turn them all on, you lose almost five, six, seven minutes of class time while all the computers are booting up. Right, Not an excuse, but just yeah. saying, yeah, I, I may or may not have done that in the past. <laughs> so anyway, all right, Fred, thank you. Great stuff as always. And glad you were able to answer that question about the field, uh, again super cool but uh that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you guys for joining us love to hear what you think about impulse Uh, apparently dark is still on schedule i'd still like to hear it officially but heard a lot of several of the actors tweet it out um anything else you guys are watching in genre tv join the facebook group and get involved in discussions uh, email us sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com you can leave a voicemail at the website using the speak pipe tab on the right we'll be back next week to talk about impulse season two episode eight titled the tether but until then yeah, dave i hate a lot of things but i don't hate you